Heavenly Father, may your Holy Spirit make real to us the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please sit down. It's good to be uh, back with you again. I do like your pulpit. It's sort of accessible and visible, but it doesn't take A4 sheets of paper, so... Um, I hope I've got the right set of notes. Uh, if I start talking in Chinese, it's uh, because that I'm speaking this afternoon at the 42nd anniversary of the Chinese church in Nottingham, and I will have a translator for each sentence. So, if you can't understand me, send a translator forward. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 29... The jailer came to Paul and Silas and asked, what must I do to be saved? And I'd like to answer that question this morning for ourselves so that we understand the gift of salvation more deeply and also for the sake of those who we meet, our friends and our family, that we may be able to explain to them our faith in simple terms. I heard the new Archbishop of Canterbury uh, speak in Nottingham uh, just before his consecration. And he spoke of the challenge to every Christian to share their faith. He quoted 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. Be willing to give a reason for the hope within you. And that chimed in with me. I found his words a personal challenge to me my ministry at the university, to take the opportunities that God gives me to speak of him and to look for more. And it chimed in with the thought I've been having to encourage each church in the deanery to ask how people are becoming Christians. How are we making disciples? How are we sharing our faith? Now, you sit here in a church that is probably a quarter of the membership of our deanery. We have maybe 1,200 people worshipping in 23 churches uh, across the deanery. I haven't done the exact sums, but it's, it's less than 10%. Uh, and that. You'll hear statistics uh, this coming week, uh, the church growth statistics nationally, that Southern Diocese is the fastest-growing diocese in the country. Well, we've looked at that statistics as a diocese and said, actually, well, okay, but we think that's an over-exaggeration. And even if it's not true, we think that there's a huge task for all of us. And, and when we, you may have heard about our plans uh, for the year 2020, deployment of clergy within the deanery, deployment of lay leaders is very much a deanery task these days, which I hope you'll continue to engage with. But as we look at our churches... We have to encourage ourselves and say we can't stay in the pastoral mode that the Church of England has often been in. We have to be in a missionary mode. We have to think about sharing our faith. And the only way uh, for the church to still be here in 30 or 40 years' time is for all members of the church to be sharing their faith and seeing themselves as part of a mission which is bringing the world to Christ. Uh, Certainly not just a job for the clergy. I know your church does alpha courses, thinks very carefully about how 
people come to faith, and that's what all our churches need to do. Think about the process, how people hear about faith for the first time, how they go on the early steps of the journey, and how they're helped to understand. I read you some verses from the book of Isaiah uh, as we had our confession. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. That wasn't the stage direction in the notes. It's like it's a market seller saying, I'm usually selling something, but it's free. It's the most immense offer Come, if you're thirsty, it's here, and the fountain is ever-flowing. It's great news. There is a loving and gracious God offering us continually his forgiveness from a fountain of goodness. And as Christians, we are inviting somebody, we're inviting the world to a feast. And it is those of us who know we are spiritually poor calling others Seek the Lord while he may be found. In my youth, I was part of a visiting program of my local church, which is something of the size of St. Giles. And teams of us were trained to go into people's homes in pairs. Uh, And we began with the church members, and we gradually moved out more and more into the community. And people had to suggest to us, people that we might visit, church members would suggest, people who'd begun to show an interest in faith and were prepared to accept into their home someone from the church who would explain more about faith to them. I still recall the principles. First of all, you had to know your own story of faith, how you be able to explain how you came to faith or what recent story of God's action you had in your lives. Secondly, you had to know some simple scriptures or stories of grace, particularly biblical stories, like the prodigal son, which is just such a great story about however bad you've been, God, the loving Heavenly Father, will accept you back. And third, you're encouraged to strategically pray for friends and family and people that you came in touch with. So I'd like to ask you to revisit the time that you first understood God's love. When did the light go on? For me, it was quite gradual, between the ages of 12 and 15 or so, and I can't say the day. Some people can say, yes, I know that day I turned to Jesus and threw everything in front of the cross. But for me, I'm not sure. I certainly gradually came to understand that it wasn't about my goodness, that it was about God's grace. And I was confirmed at the age of 12, and I was totally sincere. And I think at that time I threw everything I understood of me in front of God and said, I'm yours. But it took a while for the penny to drop that it wasn't about John Bentham's goodness. It was about the grace of God. 
or why do you pray, then the challenge is to have an answer ready and don't make it about church. Make it about Jesus and his forgiveness. Because the core of what we are trying to share is not religion. I don't think Jesus was interested in religion. It's not about duty. It's not about good works. Uh, In my role at the university, I'm increasingly mixing with and observing people of other faiths, particularly Jews and Muslims. The last three years, uh, I've been leading a team of 16 there uh, across the different faiths. And it's very interesting that the Muslims, for example, are copying the Christian Union's mission pattern of events. And once a year, they have a number of events. Islam Awareness Week. I've now got some friends who are Muslims, and I observe great devotion. I visited the Muslim prayer rooms at the university uh, recently. I was enormously impressed by the sense of spirituality and devotion, the regular prayers of a good number of Muslims. However, when I get talking about faith with them, I begin to realize the difference. And when they talk, it's so often about religion and duty and how many times they pray and how they make themselves acceptable to God by those routines. And those routines are good, and sometimes I wish that we as Christians uh, were more faithful in our lives of prayer. But our structures of prayer and worship are tools to aid our relationship with God. They're not the good news in themselves. The good news is this. We are created and loved by God. Yet all of us have fallen short of God's standard. We have sinned. And so God sent his son to die for our sins. To set us free and to restore us to God to help us to be the full human beings that he intended us to be. To wipe away the sin that separates us from God. And then the Father gives the Holy Spirit to us to live a life to his glory. A life for God, a life for others, a life completely in service of his created world, to begin in small measure to turn it to the sort of place that he meant it to be. And it's by grace that we are saved, through faith. It's not by our works. This is Ephesians 2 verse 8, and was one of those verses I learnt in those trips to people's homes. Ephesians 2, verse 8, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of works, the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast.
The forgiveness is the start of the process. Living a life of discipleship in God's world is an eternal calling. But the forgiveness is the start of the process. Isaiah 55, without money and without cost, it's free. So we have good news stories to tell. And God will honour our stumbling attempts to speak of him and speak of his grace and his love. And I think that God honours us as we speak his words to others. Simple stories of the love and forgiveness of God that we have found. Simple stories from the scripture. One or two key scriptures in our mind. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And the Holy Spirit is always there to direct us and lead us and give us the words. That is the promise of God. The early apostles were so guided by the Spirit to be in the right place at the right time. Perhaps you've heard the stories in the lectionary over the last few weeks of those early acts of the apostles so guided by the Spirit Paul, was it last week or the week before, being urged over to Macedonia to share the good news? Or on another occasion in Acts 8, that important Ethiopian official sitting reading scripture, and the Spirit says to Philip, go to that chariot, and Philip goes to him and explains to him the scripture that he'd been reading. God is waiting to nudge us by the Holy Spirit to speak to to the people that we meet now and then. When I was first working at the university in my early weeks, uh, a student died. And uh, tragic death on the ring road in Nottingham. And I went to that hall of residence to speak to the hall warden and said, lights off, you support. Well, I'm, I'm not sure that there's a role for the chaplain in this which seems strange, so I came away rather disheartened, a better relationship with the person concerned later on. They've now moved on. But um, I, I came away dispirited. What am I here for at the university? I thought I was quite good at supporting people uh, in bereavement. As I walked away across the university campus and up a hill, uh, I said, Lord, just lead me. Show me where you want me to be in this place. And there was just one of those little nudges of the Spirit to speak to a girl that I could see ahead of me walking up the hill. And I walked up behind her, and she was carrying a suitcase, and I said, well, can I help you with that? It's rather strange that so early in term, you're heading the opposite direction of everybody else with your suitcase. She said, oh, I, I can't hack it anymore. My, my new best friend died last night in an accident on the ring road. Now, of all the hundreds of students in that place, God had just nudged me to speak to the right person at the right time. That doesn't happen every week, but it happens now and again. And the encouragement is to every Christian to be listening to that voice of the Spirit, for who God wants you to come alongside, to love, 
to serve, to speak of him. Now I'm sure that you already pray for friends and family. Perhaps I could leave you with a challenge to identify two or three people to pray for regularly, particularly that they would come to know God and that you would play some small part in that. Some little nudge along the process. That God will give you a chance to share simple things of faith. Finally, as a chaplain, I, I get two contrasts as a pastoral leader. I, I have passing contact with hundreds of people, and that is quite frustrating that I never see some of them again. And occasionally, I reap where other people have sown. A couple of years back, a theologian came into my office on his last day at the university, when in fact he was graduating the next day. And he said to me, a Christian friend has told me that all my knowledge is up here, and it's never got to here. I've studied theology for three years, I'm graduating tomorrow, what do you think I ought to do? I explained to him about Jesus and the cross and led him in a prayer of forgiveness. He became a Christian that day. And his next question was, I'm going to China after graduation. Do you know any good churches? That was a more tricky uh, question, um, which uh, some of my colleagues at the Chinese church this afternoon were able to help him with. So let's bow our heads in prayer and come before the God of grace. Pray in your mind after me if you feel able. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you made me I thank you that you died for me. I'm sorry, Lord, that I have done many things that fall short of your standards. I'm sorry for my sin. Lord, by the death of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, would you forgive me? Would you restore me? Would you remake me whole? And place your Holy Spirit within me that I may live a life to your glory, that I may live a life with Jesus Christ as my Lord. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Your son. Amen. If that's a prayer you prayed for the first time, 
then it would be good to talk that over with one of the pastoral leaders of the church, perhaps Lee when he returns, or one of your other leaders who you know. Um, Obviously, I'm around uh, at the end of the service for a little while to talk about uh, anything in my sermon that you might like to talk about at all. Let's pick up our hymn books and let's sing hymn number 442. 